You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. I know that I had promised we would dive right into continuing our mock draft series. College baseball begins on Friday. Uh, there have already been some cancellations and like, but we will still have some form of college baseball on Friday. If you have not been listening to, we started on Friday and continued on uh, with our Monday podcast. We are all the way up to the 20th pick. First half of the show today, we're going to talk about those three picks after we talk about a Indians edition, and uh, then we're going to talk about the Indians pick and four players that uh, I just wanted to point out as guys. I am still kind of debating, honestly, since I have not, I'm not going to post what I have until Friday. Uh, one of these four guys will end up being there when I do post the mock over on my personal website, which is over at mlbdraftnow.blogspot.com. Uh, that is where I can post my thoughts on the uh, the MLB draft, which is something that, uh, for those who are not familiar with me, uh, Jeff Ellis, I was the national writer at Scout and 24-7 when it came to the draft and Major League Baseball going back to 2014 up until last year when 24-7 got rid of baseball. So uh, now I'm just kind of doing it on my own for fun. But before we talk... Yankees, Cubs, and White Sox on the first half of the show today. I did want to take a second and talk about Blake Parker. Uh, Blake Parker, when he was let go by the Angels, was someone I actually wanted the Indians to sign. He had really good velocity numbers. There were good spin numbers, and he had great performance overall. The issue since then is he just he's aged. He went from 32 to 35, and now his velocity is... I believe top or top bottom 10% of velocity, top bottom percent of spin His secondary offerings are in the lower um, end of things as well. It's just not there for him anymore. He's had a natural aging curve. I say this with the caveat being the Indians know pitching better than anyone. And maybe they see something there. Uh, they like something enough to give him that invite. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, you know, two years ago, the numbers, uh, in the majors were not terrible, but the overall, the stat cast stuff were not positive even then with Parker. You know, they might just want more depth. It could be as simple as that. Uh, three years ago, I would have been ecstatic about them adding him before he went to the Twins and then spent two years, arguably, in the worst bullpen in baseball with Philadelphia. And again, he wasn't terrible there, but 35 years of age and bottom five to 10 of the league in spin and velocity, which is typically a sign that uh, your stuff is starting to fade. So we will see. Uh, he is a non-roster invitee for a reason. So now that uh, we've talked a little Blake Parker, let's dive back into the mock. We will get through three, four picks, counting the Indians today, and then finish this thing up on Friday when I post as well. So New York Yankees at pick 20. They are a team that have been highly conservative over the years. The recent high school players, there's Anthony Velope, the shortstop out of, I believe it was a New Jersey program. It might have been a New York program. 
that they took. They, they, and that's, I feel like there's one other guy I'm forgetting, but at the same time, I mean, they just, they go college players and they often go with safer college players as well. When I just sit down and think about recent picks or even, you know, who their top prospects are, it's not a lot of guys that stand out for high upside to me. If I'm thinking about them, I'm thinking Clark Schmidt, which is a pick I liked. He required Tommy John surgery at the time, but you know, he was like a six, two righty, great performance, good stuff, but he was always going to be more of a, a mid to back end guy. And they take safer players to begin with. So when I'm looking at the the New York Yankees or, you know, Kyle Holder, who just got picked up in the rule five drafts and traded to the Reds, uh, defensive wizard, not much else there. Uh, very safe team. It's interesting because back before the pool system, they weren't. They would go out and just spend like crazy. Andrew, well, Andrew Brackman was a college guy, but he was a high upside college guy. You know, they took a swing at Garrett Cole as a high, as a high school guy. There are always the team sitting there at the back of round one waiting to give top 10 money to a player who slid. And that was part of the reason they were able to stay so dominant for so long was they could just spend more than anyone else could in the free agent in free agency in general. I was trying to pull up and look at uh, who they drafted last year. I just, it, Austin Wells is who I'm thinking. That may not be the case. Um, I think it was Austin Wells who was the draft eligible sophomore catcher who may have to move good production again. Uh, n- you know, a, not an unexciting profile, power, walk, hit, chance for something more there. But so all of this haven't given you guys any picks. Uh, the Yankees do like uh, smaller pitchers or not necessarily like them, but they're not afraid of them. Uh, explosive arms can be interesting. I remember they were heavily tied to Dre, Dre Jamison of Ball State a few years ago. He ended up going to Arizona. My sleeper pick here, Sam Bachman from Miami University. Not the biggest guy. Some concerns with the delivery. But, you know, if you like Dre Jamison, Sam Bachman is, uh, is someone who could be uh, also interesting to you. But I think for the Yankees, Colton Kowser, outfitter from Sam Houston State, is hard to pass on. Uh, in some places, he's one of the top 15 players in this class. Borderline top 10 to some question is, is going to stick in center? If he sticks in center field, that profile gets really interesting. Otherwise, above average hit, above average on base, be a solid starter, but it's a thin margin for error. I don't really see the power. I'm not sold on center field, so then you move him to the corner outfield. Again, Indians fans are like, I'll take above average on base and above average hit uh, and playing a solid corner outfield. We've been wanting that for a decade, but in this case, often you you tend to shoot for a little bit more. I'm not as high on Kowser as others are, um, and I'm also probably saying his name wrong. But uh, the Yankees, as a conservative team, he makes a lot of sense right there. Chicago Cubs had been the most conservative team up until a few years ago, and now uh, starting, they changed their scouting director last year, and they went massive upside up the middle talent. Uh, when I'm looking for that here, that'd be Benny Montgomery, the outfielder from Redlands High School in Pennsylvania. Supreme athlete, uh, cold, we- cold weather bat. To me, like I, there's a big debate today on Twitter, uh, recording this on a Tuesday about Jared Kalenic. <laughs> I saw a lot of things popping up about that. 
when I say cold weather bad, I don't mean it as a negative. I mean, I see more growth potential. Um, you know, there are Montgomery's an interesting guy because he's a little bit all over the place depending on how you like him, but there's no debating the tools. And Chicago last year took a toolsy up the middle player on power potential and Ed Howard. Here's another guy in Benny Montgomery. Uh, if they wanted to go pitcher, Jackson Job is a name to know, and I will wait to talk about him. For the Chicago White Sox, I went a little bit off board here, and I know the White Sox have kind of changed their whole structure. And White Sox, oh, they've changed their structure, but the White Sox are the team uh, I have had the most success with. For those who are unfamiliar, I predicted uh, what Nick Madrigal to them. Uh, almost a year out. And then the year before that, I correctly uh, predicted uh, Andrew Vaughn. So I, I, yes, they were high picks, so it's relatively easy, but I got them both right in September of, uh, you know, the year before the draft. It's because they have very distinct approach and they changed it a little bit, but not too much. I mean, Garrett Crochet has a lot of, uh, that pick has a lot of reasons why it's similar to Chris Sale. I was not as high on Crochet, but it's not completely off the board for them. They they have kind of types. Let's just put it that way. And you can kind of just look through and eliminate certain players. Oh, strikeout rate's too high. Get rid of every high school performer there is. Uh, I mean, every year I get told this is the year they're going to go with high school. Until they do it, I am never going to mock the White Sox a high schooler. I was all set, I think, my first or second year um, working at Scout to mock them the... Uh, Gosh, having a it's late at night moment with my mind. But I was, I was set to mock them, uh, the catcher from Miami, Zach Collins, who they did end up drafting. And instead, I let myself be talked into talking with someone I knew who's a good set, uh, source, Gavin Lux. They loved Gavin Lux, I was told. And while that would have been a much, much better selection for the White Sox, had they done what I mocked, it, it caused me to uh, that year to get that pick wrong. And I went against, you know, everything that was on the board that had said, you know, they are a team that is going to go with the college performer. And even, you know, last year with the change, everyone's like, Oh, this year they're going to high school. They took crochet. That's a high school guy. And then the second round where they've gone with uh, high school pitching the past few years, that's what they did. They got Jared Kelly. So I'll be curious to see maybe they're, the White Sox fans finally get what they want. Maybe they're finally right. And this is the year they do not go for college performer. And when I'm talking about the White Sox, they love Louisville guys. Uh, I was told if Detmer somehow got to them, he would be their pick. They would love that. So in this situation, Levi Usher is a name to keep in the back of your mind. Now this could be a pick that looks very foolish come draft time. Like he could end up being, a six, seventh rounder. I mean, that's possible. He is a guy who, uh, good athlete, little bit undersized. Uh, his, let's see, I want to, I have his data right here. Kirk would communicate in 2019 last year in 16 games. So the one concern in those 16 games and what might knock him out of this for me is the 21, almost 22% strikeout rate in the fat, the easy, the early part of the schedule. That doesn't exactly mesh well with uh, the Chicago White Sox approach. You're typically 
have it feels like a cutoff around 16 17% with some of the guys they draft. But he's hit for average. He has shown you know a degree of power. He runs well. He's just a, a very toolsy player who's had some really high bat pips which for those who aren't familiar while we look at the major leagues as a kind of a thing to show if a player was too lucky often in I found in college and I know specifically there's been research done in the lower minors that it's a great indicator of uh, hit ability that great hitters will have high bat pips in the lower minors not because of luck but just because they are better and it tends to show up time and time again uh, he has had that again, 2020 is, a uh, almost no data to use, but that year in community college, I mean, he just, there's a reason why he went from, uh, a community college right to the starting lineup for Louisville. Who's always one of the top programs in the country. I've said it many times with, with the way they developed. If I had a kid, that's where I'd be sending them. Uh, so Usher, you know, Levi Usher is a, this is kind of a shot in the dark. This is me taking a chance here saying, I know they like this program. Here's an athletic toolsy kid, uh, sleeper Steve Hajar from Michigan. Uh, they liked the left-handed pitcher last year with a limited track record, maybe one this year. And that takes us up to the 23rd selection in the draft. That is, of course, the pick owned by the Cleveland Indians. Uh, one pick higher than it would have been if not for the Houston Astros uh, situation. So before I talk about four specific names that uh, highlight and reasons why these guys are players that uh, – I thought made a lot of sense for the Cleveland Indians, make a lot of sense for the Cleveland Indians. It's not like this has come and gone already. We're going to take a quick break, have a word from our sponsors. BuiltBar.com. Uh, I, they sent us with Built Bar. I mean, I love this company. They keep sending us these free trials. And it was this chocolate coconut brownie. That's what it was. And it's been great. It's, I can eat. I had, I had two for lunch today. That was my lunch uh, at work. I get like, 25, 30 minutes, depending on how the students are doing. That's my like time to just relax and not think. And I, I just sat down, drank my Built Bar Boost, and ate two Built Bar uh, coconut brownie bars. And I just, it's a product that I keep buying. It is a product I keep going back to. If you want to try Built Bar, use that promo code locked on, not because it helps us, but because I use it because it's the best deal possible. Uh, I, went and did the whole scouring, looked on places. You're not going to get a better deal than that 20% off through using the promo code locked on. It's a great product. I get tired of things. I do not get tired of this. I am someone who is uh, gluten-free. This product is gluten-free. And so many of those gluten-free bars in the past, I felt like I'm going to break my jaw eating them. These things are, they're smooth. They're delicious. They're great. And they have a broth product for on the go they have their on the go product they have so many different products all of them are fantastic all of them are worth a try go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on save yourself 20 percent. again it's a product i use i believe in it's a daily product for me our other fantastic sponsor is rockauto.com rockauto.com gives you the power of of knowing about cars i know nothing about cars but if I need a part for my car, I can go to rockauto.com and make sure that the pieces, the parts that I'm paying for from a mechanic are a good deal. I can make sure that where I'm going, I have that ability, that knowledge. It, it allows you to self-advocate. It allows you to not go to, I know in the past, all of us have had a bad experience with a mechanic where we know that they did us dirty. 
rockauto.com is going to help prevent that. It's a family-owned business. They cut down the overhead, pass all that savings on to the, you know, you and me and everyone else. So when you go to rockauto.com and, you know, specifically if you're someone who can do a little bit more with your car and order parts and pieces there, you're going to want to tell them that Locked On sent you. Locked On MLB, Locked On Indians, Locked On, some form of Locked On. That lets them know that their advertising money is well spent. And I understand. I don't know cars. I... But all I could get there and self-install are mats. And I've been tempted because my car does need a mat. For whatever reason, when I bought it, I did not get a floor mat uh, with it. But I was able to find that through Rock Auto. So if you are going to order parts for your car, you're going to save yourself money. Do it as a favor for yourself. And always keep it in your back pocket as a way to know that you are getting a good deal on your car. RockAuto.com. Make sure to say Locked On sent you. And Locked On MLB Prospects is our show of the day to talk about. RM over there was uh, on this very podcast, on this very video podcast, when we talked about the Lindor deal. So if you enjoyed RM, then you should be definitely checking out the Locked On MLB Prod- Prospects podcast. Man, those double P's are uh, hard to talk about sometimes. Let's talk about this Indians pick. So the Indians are probably going to go with a prep player. They have really gone away from college talent with some of those early selections. Over the past few years, now I know they went with Tanner Burns and Logan Allen after the Carson Tucker pick last year. But we've seen a lot more of, with both those selections, remember that uh, both of those were, I, I, part of me is having a second, was Logan I think Logan Allen was still slightly under slot. Tucker, was, those first three picks were all under slot because they went massively over slot for uh, Tolentino and Petey Halpin. So there's always that relative thing. That's where the MLB draft is weird, right? You're going to sometimes draft a guy higher than they should go because you have savings. The first time the Indians really tried that was in the first uh, version of this draft, which was back in 2012. It was really interesting. They went well under slot with uh, with Naquin. And then they proceeded to use all that money on getting a whole bunch of big name prospects, guys who were uh, taken like a round or even two rounds later than they were supposed to. I mean, they just, it was a murderer's row in rounds two through 10. And uh, it just did not yield any results for whatever reason. That draft class, um, I've been doing a historical draft series and I know I need to get back and talking about the, uh, you know, the best and worst picks of the fourth round. Uh, that draft might have the worst fourth round pick in franchise history. That's it. But I love that pick at the time. It might have been my favorite pick in that entire draft. Uh, so that's kind of the humor of it. But for the Indians, they they took that approach before. And then they really haven't done it as much. They've saved a little bit here and there. They never go full slot and they never go over slot in round one. Uh, whoever they're taking is probably going to be someone who is a slightly under slot selection. But they're also not afraid to... You know, Carson Tucker was not a top 30 prospect. He just wasn't. Uh, we all knew he was going to go high and in the top 30. I wasn't sure which team. I, I I had a really good source who said he was definitely going in the top 30 because he let it be known that he was going to sign for significantly less. And the Indians, I think, saved, I don't know if it was quite a million, but it might have been close to that at the, on that pick. And again, they reinvested it to get Petey Halpin. I mean, he was a million over slot. So don't, it, this wasn't a cheapness thing. This was uh, just allocating assets, and there's a logic to it. The idea being, you know, Carson Tucker's a top 50 player, 
if we get him at 20, we probably wouldn't, we definitely wouldn't be able to get him probably even at 40 because of what he's willing to sign for. So it's like, it's deep cost analysis, right? It, it's figuring out where you can get players and then having someone like, I mean, PD Halpin, yes. I don't know if I would have paid him quite what they paid him. He just barely missed my top 50 prospects. But him having such a high asking price is the only reason he was still there. If he had not cost that much, he's probably off the board and then he's not in the Indian system. So it's the draft. The MLB draft is weird. I kind of love it. I mean, I understand it's not great for the players, but I love the fact that there's so much manipulation and so many stories with every pick because you never know like, Oh, that's an interesting, I mean, I've had picks where I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. I bet that's a massive underslot. And then they sign for slot and I'm like, Oh, wow. They really like that player. Or, wow, that guy's going to cost so much. For instance, a lot of people thought the Indians were going to have to go over slot for Tanner Burns, and then he was under slot. Like, you know, it's, it's stuff like that that he came in under. So uh, it, unless you're talking to the agents directly, you're probably never going to know such things. But just things to keep in mind uh, when it comes to this pick, that uh, point being that, you know, you never know the money. And be the Indians they do things a little bit different. Um, their boards don't always match up. Their evaluations don't always match up. Uh, they, and they, they know what they do well and they have more and more tended to target players that fit their approach. So let's start with, there are two hitters that we, uh, we have to talk about right off the the bat. I'm leaning more and more to making Edwin Arroyo the pick here. And Edwin Arroyo is a shortstop from Puerto Rico, uh, young for the class, one of the youngest players in the entire class, Uh, definitely one of the five youngest players in the class. For those who don't know, there might not be a team who values age relative to uh, draft class more than the Cleveland Indians. So that's a big deal to them. Switch hitting shortstop, very good athlete, very good defender. I know if you follow the system, you're like, the last thing they need is another shortstop. but that's not true. I mean, shortstops have such great trade value that you can just keep developing them. And honestly, if a guy can play short, they can probably play any other position on the diamond. If you draft a first baseman and he's terrible there, there's nowhere he can go. You draft a shortstop and he's not great there. He's probably going to be a pretty good defender at third or second. Like it's part of the reason the Indians take this approach. Switch hitter, a little bit raw at this point in time, but uh, the tools are there. The defensive ability is there. Runs well. Um, even something like his, I pulled up perfect game to look at the pocket radar exit velocity, 90th percentile in the class. Uh, max barrel speed, 93rd. That's from Diamond Kinetics. So it's he's still in the top 10% in terms of that stuff. And then you look at 60-yard dash, um, 98.57 percentile. Yard split, 97.44%. Infield arm, 99.78th percentile of his draft class. Uh, So those are, he just fits the Indians. Like he fits the Indians very well in terms of age, position, uh, and just how they evaluate up the middle players. I'm really leaning towards Edwin Arroyo with this pick. He's not who I currently have listed there right now, but for all those reasons I stated, you know, Keep Edwin Arroyo. He's uh, from Ercibio, Puerto Rico, uh, committed to Florida State. He I, he just he really looks like a guy that just fits the Indians to a T. 
current player I have sitting there is Harry Ford, who is a catcher slash outfielder from uh, Georgia. He uh, plays for North Cobb. Those Cobb teams are always uh, top of the line baseball producers. And he's a catcher. He's an outfielder. There's a little bit of Bo Naylor with this to me. Um, what he is more than anything else is, is he's an athlete. And he, you know, you want to talk about, we talked some about uh, Air CBO's, you know, exit velocity. Forward is at, you know, 97.74%. Barrel speed, 98.88%. He also runs well at 98.98% in the 60. He does everything. He has all of the tools. He is still 17. He will be 18 soon, though. So he's average age for the class. He's like how Nolan Jones was age-wise relative to class. And up the middle athlete, one of the biggest just athletes in the class across the board. Big arm, big speed, big power. You know, everything's there. He is five foot ten. That's maybe the one knock you can put on him. Uh, the pictures I've seen of him, he looks like pretty strong already. I'm not sure how much more muscle there is. Uh, he's just a strong kid, but he's strong. And with that build, he's already running well. Because, uh, you know, sometimes his players bulk up, they lose some of that speed. But right now he's he's got some bulk and he's still fast. And a lot of people think that, you know, that actually not a problem for him. And he definitely armed to be back there. And if the Indians, the Indians have terrible, terrible catching depth and system in general, um, you know, I've, outside of Bo Naylor, and I've talked about how much I enjoy uh, Ryan Levastida as a sleeper slash helium guy in system. So adding a catcher with his athletic tools, plus uh, committed to Georgia Tech, which if you follow, follow college baseball at all, is like the cradle of catchers. Like they produce catchers better than anywhere else. Uh, so if you want to recruit, go grab a prep catcher. It's a, it's a good sign when they're going to Georgia Tech. So I've been debating those two. Ford definitely is the higher ceiling and he's probably who I would like, which means I should go with uh, Ar Ar uh, Arroyo. Arecibia is where he's from. I should put Arroyo there because he does more fit the Indians mold. He is younger he has a shortstop with that specific set of tools they tend to look for. Now, if you're saying, what if they go pitcher? I don't know why I said pitcher that way. They have, we have seen them, gosh, it was, they took, I was trying to think back. There was this, it was Dan Denham was a pitcher they took in the early 2000s. And then they had not taken a, prep pitcher in the with their first selection until recently until you know they we had the the Hankins pick and we had Lenny Torres until Daniel Espino so we have had a few of those recent high pick arms you can even go back I mean they started getting back into taking you know those college pitchers early when they took uh, or not college high school pitchers early when they took Brady Aiken who was essentially still a high school arm he had an extra year on him but he hadn't pitched basically at all and uh, they took McK Tristan McKenzie and Juan Hillman very high that year so again the Indians when you're looking at who makes sense to them I'm looking at you know the, the Lenny Torres type the Daniel Espino type uh 
Josh Wolf. These are guys who aren't necessarily the biggest guys, but really quick arms, really good athletes, good velocity. And if they got spin data, more spin, the better. So there's two guys that stood out for me in this class. Uh, I promised I'd talk about Jackson Job later on in the podcast. Well, here's his time. 6'2 as a right-hander is considered undersized, but here is a two-sport athlete who is a shortstop and a right-handed pitcher who had, I feel like over the summer, the best spin rate data of anyone. That's slider in particular. And the Indians do like the fastball-slider combination. That is what we've seen with guys like Aaron Savali. Um, I believe that's what Plesak had when he came into the system as well. It is something that they do well with, um, developing from there and then building up from those two pitches. So you have a guy with a lightning quick arm, strong developed secondary pitch with exceptional spin. Uh, I believe, I'm trying to remember if it was like, I don't want to get it wrong. So I'm not going to going to end up uh, giving you bad information, but best uh, of any player that I can say. Uh, of, of any high school kid and a uh, fastball that was already mid nineties, uh, very good athlete. All of that comes together. Basically the only knock on him at this point in time that I could see is a reason the Indians would maybe not be as tempted is he's already 18 and a half, uh, which means that he is for them older. Like <laughs> that is an older one for them just because they are so specific and so age focused, uh, you know, there, there's more development there for sure. Uh, he's one of those guys, I, I feel like of any college pitcher, he might have done the most for himself over the summer. But why does he go with the Indians? Quick arm, developed, spin rate secondary, and the athleticism. And then I have to talk about Gage Jump. So Gage Jump is going to be um, a player you love or hate. Part of the reason is he's under six feet tall. He's a 5'11 pitcher. Uh, he's not a super big, you know, it's not like he's 5'11 and he's, uh, you know, like two something. He's he's 5'11 and I think he's like 160, 170. But again, very quick arm, really strong athlete, advanced secondaries. Uh, I don't think he's 18 yet. He's one of those guys, Jay, Jay Sarah is where he goes to school, which is maybe the elite high school baseball program in the country. Uh, UCLA commit, so there's always the concern there. Uh, I forgot to mention uh, Joe Bay, Jackson Joe Bay. Now I can't say his name correctly. Uh, old, miss com- old Miss Commute, I want to say. Uh, it's it's 10 o- past 10 o'clock my time, so I'm just going to blame that for... Uh, some of the flubs with language this evening as we get long in this podcast. Uh, So gauge jump, again, it's all going to come down to that height. Like I feel like if gauge jump was like, and I have this talk all the time, there are guys that if they were six foot five instead of five eleven, they'd be jump might be the top pitcher in this class. Uh, And yes, it's kind of ridiculous to say that, Because, I mean, six inches means a lot. It gives you more downhill on your fastball. It gives you uh, longer limbs, which leads to better deception, better ability to hide pitches. But saying all of that, Jump has dominated high-level competition. He has been a guy who has faced the best there is and often gotten the best of them. 5'11 isn't great. But are there 5'11 starters? Yes. 
and if I'm going to bet on a 5'11 starter, give me the guy who's already uh, showing, in, you know, uh, secondary pitches that he can use, who has, you know, pitched at a top program and done well there. And did I mention the athleticism? Like to me, that is the most underrated thing when you're looking at a pitching prospect is how athletic they are. That plays into, if you listen to my podcast, which I had on the WKYC right here with uh, Burke Ranger of D1 Baseball, like we both talked about it, like athleticism is how, you know, guys end up having, staying healthy. It's how their delivery ends up uh, staying consistent. It's a really important part of pitching that sometimes gets overlooked. And Jump's just, like I said, he's, he's not the biggest guy. But once you get past that, everything else is great. Everything else you could look for is good. Uh, the Indians don't, they're not sizists. They, again, they want uh, athleticism and they've liked guys who've de- uh, developed secondary offerings. I'll say this. The Indians like to go under slot. When you kind of look at the names I mentioned, uh, if they did decide to go with someone like Arroyo, he is likely, I mean, we'll see how his year goes. But as of right now, he would be an underslot player at pick 23. That extra monetary savings could then be used to go back and get someone like Gage Jump in the second round. It's one of those combinations that makes a lot of sense. And the more you think about it with the way the Indians uh, attack things, I think it would uh, it'd absolutely be something that could happen. Uh, but there are two names to know. I'm not always right with these. Uh, you can go back. A few years where I, when the Indians didn't have a first round pick at all, uh, after they signed Edwin and Encarnacion, uh, they ended up drafting Quentin Holmes. And I had some fun uh, projecting some guys to them at the back round too. Because uh, I always like to, in a full mock, include every team and just kind of guess who could be there. And I predicted to them multiple times that year, Asa Lacey, because I knew he fit their profile. Uh, While well, they did not draft him there, unfortunately. Uh, he did end up getting drafted by them later on that draft class because they didn't want to have a chance to meet and talk with them because he did fit their profile. So even if Gage jump, uh, now we don't know how long the draft's going to be yet. We don't know. It's probably not going to be the 40 picks that it was. It might only be 2025. There may not be those picks that teams are willing to throw away anymore. But then again, the miners are being chopped up, chopped up. So there's, not as many spots to fill. So we'll have to see. It's going to be a weird draft. But I hope you've enjoyed this, a chance to get to know a few more names, get to hear about why I think these players fit for the Indians. Yeah, it's a great college class. Um, Is there anyone who I would have rather the Indians drafted at this point in time based on lists or names? You know, I'm I'm not as pot committed to any player. I, I do typically lean college because of the overall safety of it. Uh, that's why the Indians and I, while I can do people would say I, I get their picks right at a, a strong rate. We don't often agree. Like I tend to match up with like the Toronto blue Jays and the Chicago white Sox have drafted um, more of my players uh, in terms of my rankings than, uh, than any other team over the past few years. But with that whole loss of last season, I don't have a player that I've really had that chance to dive into fully and be like, this is my dude. I don't have a dude in this year's class. Last year it was Nick Gonzalez and he became everyone's dude. And I was kind of like, Oh, I got to pick someone new, even though I was there first. 
I, I, you could Google search him and there was nothing around. Um, you know, eventually I'll settle into someone and I'll figure something out with it. Might be Robbie Martin, uh, who's a little bit down on places right now, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk draft, if you want to get more information about this, remember to follow me on Twitter at Jeff MLB draft. Uh, the name says it all, right? <laughs> uh, I will be doing this all year round. I am still trying to find out uh, my chances of being able to go to my local. And for those who don't know, I live in Wisconsin. The only Division One program in the state of Wisconsin uh, is the University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's right. The Badgers do not have baseball. So there is one Division One program. The upside is Wisconsin has one top prospect every year. And this year, the top prospect is Indians prospect uh, Owen Miller's brother. And the Indians do like younger brothers. So uh, I'm trying to remember what uh, Noah Miller, whose uh, Osaki is not far from where I work. I went to the, grab a list to look at his name. But uh, keep that name in mind. And if you're in Ohio, Ohio State's got two really interesting pitchers. Um, everyone knows Lonsway. I'm blanking on the next guy on the list. Uh, and the, the Mac... This is the best year to see the Mac. Uh, the Mac has three pitchers, all of which could have first round potential rock at OU Albright at Kent state and Bachman at Miami. Uh, it makes me sad that I move away right as this is happening. Uh, it hasn't, I can't recall the last time it was anything like the last time it approached this good was before Zach please got hurt and you had please and Lauer, uh, back in the day. So if you are someone there and they're allowing fans in, um, Really, take the opportunity to check out the MAC this year, Ohio State. It's a great year for the draft in Ohio. I always had some doubt. This is the best Ohio draft year in a long time, which is funny because it's probably the worst right state has had in like three years, and that has turned into the top college producer in the in the state. I can keep talking draft all night, but I just want to set that out there. If you have some chances, if you have some opportunities in the spring, college baseball, while it starts Friday, will not typically start in Ohio until the end of March. Hopefully we'll have seen some, uh, some rollouts with vaccines and stuff that allow people to get out to the games. So uh, take advantage of it. It's a great year in the state of Ohio to see draft eligible prospects, specifically in the college ranks. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the lockdown Indians podcast. Remember to rate and review that really helps download daily. Tell a friend, pass on the joy especially if they like the draft because I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be not donating. I'm going to be doing a pod a week on the draft, excuse me, a pod a week on the draft throughout the draft season. I'm going to be spending as much time watching draft eligible prospects as I will be watching the Indians. It's an even split, honestly, from this point moving forward. Thank you all. I really appreciate all the support. Our numbers are continuing to slowly get up there. Remember, the Tigers are the 10th most popular uh, podcast in our MLB network, Unlocked On. Let's knock them out. Come on. We don't want the Tigers ahead of us. Remember when that was a big rivalry? Help me. Let's go knock those Tigers out. Let's not put Lockdown Indians into the top 10. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Any thoughts or suggestions, you can always hit me up on Twitter with those. And at least for the next year, go Tribe. <laughs>